Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Amen. What a powerful, powerful video. How many are excited to have Curry Blake back with us tonight? Anybody excited? I'm so excited. He is the general overseer of John G. Lake Ministries. He has been with us all week. Uh, this is his second year in a row being here. He doesn't really need an introduction, but it is an honor of mine to introduce you guys to him tonight as he comes to share. I want you to stand and can we give a big Bethesda welcome to Curry Blake as he comes to share God's word with us. Amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> Thank you for that warm welcome. <clears throat> we, um, <clears throat> it's amazing that video never gets old. And I was there. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> there's a lot of things on there. <clears throat> the man that was shaking and the not, he was demon possessed came in demon-possessed. Uh, you can see the picture afterwards where he is standing there and smiling because he wanted a picture with us after he was completely free. The other man on his other side, on, on the other side of him, was the man that brought him. Uh, <clears throat> he got completely free in a matter of minutes. <clears throat> the woman that I was talking to in the corner, and then she went down on the floor, and I went down with her. Uh, she was demon-possessed, and nothing, you know, there was no clue. It was a healing line. And uh, when I got to her, she started growling at me and telling me how much she hated me. So I knew she had to have a devil. <laughs> um, the picture of the metal said metal from a woman's back. That was, that was in Grand Junction, Colorado. And we had... The woman came and said she had a, a back problem. She didn't say what it was. And so we <clears throat> I put my hand on her back, commanded her back to be healed. And she began doing what she couldn't do and then uh, went home that night. That was Saturday. And then the next morning, came back to church and had a little box. And when she came in, she needed to talk to me before the service. So I said, okay. And so she came back and the pastor was there with me and she opened up the box and there was all this metal, so they put it out on a music stand. That's what it was sitting on. And I said, what is this? And she said, that was metal that when I had my surgery, the doctors put in my back. And last night I went to sleep, and when I woke up this morning, that was lying in my bed. Amen. The little boy was, that said the little boy was deaf. He was completely deaf in both ears. And I, I told the people, put your hands over the affected part because we were praying, you know, in a line. I said, when you, you know, put your hand over, we'll pray. And so the mother told the boy what to do, you know, showed him what to do. And so when we started praying for him, he commanded 
deaf spirit to go and for him to hear. And he moved his hands and heard, and you could see the expression on his face. First time he'd ever heard. And the first thing he did, you notice he turned and pointed his mom. And she had cancer. And he, it was, he was saying, okay, now do her. Do her. <laughs> and the, the girl with the two crutches, when she was sitting there, she had never walked without those crutches. Her ankles were fused in a way that her feet would not bend. And so her friend came to me before the service and said, my friend has been prayed for by a lot of people. and She just wants to know if, it, if it's worth her coming tonight. And I said, well, yeah, she's probably that full. I said, we just got to top her off. <laughs> and so you, if you watch the video, if you see, because I, I watched the videos afterwards and I analyze them and look and I re, try to remember what I was thinking and what I was saying and, and I try to analyze. And so I went back and watched it. And if you ever see it, you'll see I lay my hand on her and then I slide my hand around the back of her neck onto the very base of her skull and begin commanding and then commanded her to walk and I took my hand off of her and then that's whenever she stood up and dropped the crutches and started walking and I'm telling you, when she screams, because <laughs> I was there, <laughs> it affects me the same way every time. And so, and then later they got the video just a little bit after that that was in Poland, as a matter of fact. And right after that, they got the video of her dancing. First time she'd ever danced in her life. That's why I said during the week, hey, amen. amen. And that's why I said during this week, I've been around quite a bit and I've seen some things and I was privileged to watch Jesus do things. And the other day we were as I was sharing with Pastor Chad the other day, we were, my wife and I was binge watching The Chosen. And uh, <laughs> I'm so blessed. Amen. We were sitting there watching it. My wife noticed I was crying. And. Um, <laughs> She said, well, first thing she said was, I ought to take a video of this because most people don't believe you would ever cry. <laughs> she said, living with you is like living with Patton. <laughs> so, but um, she paused the thing and asked, why, why are you crying? What are you doing? And I said, because Jesus had just healed a leper. He just raised Jairus' daughter. The woman with the issue of blood had just been healed. All, I mean, all this was going on in, right after. And I'm sitting there and I said, I've seen him do those things. It's not just a movie. Amen. South Africa, Korea, Australia, Thailand, UK, America. I've seen him do it. I don't have to watch a movie. I do, I watch them over and over again. But it's like home movies. 
because he's still healing. He's still setting the captive free. And he does it without any coercion, without any hype. And he even tells people, shh, don't, don't tell anybody. That means that he wasn't trying to get famous. That means he wasn't trying to do something for the acclaim or all, all that. It meant he loved people and he just wanted to see them free. And he's the same tonight. In uh, Luke <clears throat> chapter 24 and verse 49. Well, actually, I'll just read it to you because it talk, he, he gives us a... Well, just an amazing promise. <clears throat> Luke twenty four forty nine. <clears throat> and he says, <clears throat> And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye, wait, in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. <clears throat> he told his disciples when he sent them out, don't, don't wait, don't get caught up in salutations, don't, don't salute any man by the way, don't get caught up wherever you go, stay there, don't move around. From Focus, get out there, get this done, do it, there's an urgency. And then at the end he says, I'm gonna send the promise of my father. And he says, but you wait in Jerusalem to you. Now, he didn't just say to you receive power. He said to you be endued with power from on high. So one minute he's in a big hurry and urgent. And the, the next, you know, shortly after that, he tells him, wait. Don't go anywhere. It's so important that you be endued with this power from on high, that I'm willing to hold you back until you get it. Yeah. And that endued, that word to be endued, it's actually from a Greek word that literally means to put, it was used to put, when they talk about taking a piece of fabric and putting it into a vat of dye, and you put it in and you leave it in there until the cloth is completely saturated. It wasn't just a dip and back out. No, it had to be, it had to saturate every fiber. And whenever you dye fibers like that, you dye a piece of cloth, it can never go back to normal. It's dyed forever in that sense. I mean, it, it changes the very fibers. It's, it's not just a covering. It saturates. It's, it becomes so part of the fiber that you can't separate the dye from the fiber. And that's what he was saying. He said, you wait here. I'm going to send the promise of my Father. And when that happens, you will be endued. You will be saturated. Every cell, every part of your being is going to be just saturated to the point where you're changed, where you can never go back to the way you used to be. And he said, and you're going to receive 
He said, stay there until you be endued with power from on high. And then in Acts 1, in verse 8, he says, but you shall receive the Holy Ghost. Not many days hence. And he says, and, and here's the thing, and you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost will come upon you. And that power is the same power that the woman with the issue of blood felt come out of him and into her and fix her body. And that's all the same word. So what he was saying is, you wait until that power that left me, went into her, changed her body. You wait here until that power is so much a part of you that you can't tell where you stop and it begins. So he said that. I'm just going to give you another scripture too and then we're going to move on. In Ephesians chapter 4 I'm also looking there we go yep in Ephesians chapter 4 it says well I guess I can tell you where we're going to go in verse 22 he starts and he says that you you he didn't say he's going to do it for you that you put off concerning the former lifestyle conversation, but it means lifestyle, the old man. Put off the lifestyle and the conversation, the words you used when you were the old man, when you were the old person. And instead he says, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Then he talks about putting away lying and speak every man truth, be angry and sin not, neither give place to the devil. All of this is part of it. But notice he says first, put off the old man, put on the new man. This new man is recreated in the likeness of him that recreated you. So that new man, you put that new man off. You quit being the old man. You start being the new man. Amen. And this new man is different from anything you've ever seen before. Because 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. And all things are of God. All the new stuff in you is of God. He changed you. When you got born again, if you got born again, he changed you. He says, now you're changed inside, so put off the old man. Quit acting like that because that's not who you are. Put on this new man. Now, in Psalm 78, it's a simple psalm. And I'm just going to read part of it. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail on it. There we go. Now, Psalm 78 says, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, 
which you have heard and known and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. He goes on and says, For he established a testimony unto Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make known, they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments and might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. Then he goes on and talks about all the good things God did. But he said, we're not going to hide these from the children. We're going to tell them and we're going to remember them and we're going to tell even the children that are, that are going to be born, the ones that should be. Not even the generation was there. He said, we're going to carry this on and we're going to remind the next generation of the things that God did. Well, back in the 1940s, early 50s, there was what was called the Voice of Healing Movement. And all of a sudden there were Preachers traveling around the country in tents. Jack Coe, A.A. Allen, William Branham was another one, Oral Roberts, many more. I mean, there was over a hundred of them. And every week they were recording their sermons and recording the, the services and the healings. And, and then they would put it on television. So every week people could see right there in their living room, people getting out of wheelchairs, people dropping crutches. It was a normal thing. <clears throat> and it got to be common. And then, but the thing is, it wasn't passed on to the next generation. It kind of fell aside. And then we had several other things coming into the United States and it got everybody's attention. And pretty soon the voice of healing movement kind of passed away and, and more moved more into the charismatic movement. And because we didn't bring it to the next generation, a lot of it was lost. And people started not believing in these things. So one of the things we do, it's one of the reasons why we showed that video, is because, and that's just some of the stuff with other things and other videos that are actually being put together even at this point. But we want to tell people what God has done. We want to remember his mighty works. And we want to tell it to the next generation so we don't go through another 60s. And we move, you know, even further away in some cases. And, and you can see whenever God is present in a country, the people flourish. And then whenever God is forgotten and taken out of the country and out of the mainstream the people suffer. You can see it. It's a pure cycle. The video, in the video, it shows a picture of the man sitting in a wheelchair. 
the man had Parkinson's and uh, what was it? Several, several palsy. Yeah. Parkinson's and several palsy had not walked in years. And you could even see his legs were, you know, smaller than my arms. He had wasted away. All the muscles had just deteriorated. His caretaker, I don't, I don't know whose idea it was to bring him there. I don't know if he knew anything about it. He couldn't talk. I wasn't sure how much he was able to, you know, coherently know what's going on. And so we had a line. We had trained people in how to minister healing. And we had this line, and people had gone through it. And so his caretaker was rolling him through it. And so he would go through the line, and everybody was laying hands and praying for him. And then he'd go to the next one, and they'd lay hands on stuff. And so he made it through the line, got on over. And, I, and a lot of times I'd do that, and I'm the last person to lay hands on him because that way nobody can take credit. Everybody laid hands on him. So when he gets out of the wheelchair, only Jesus gets the glory. So, so they brought him over and the caretaker told me the situation. And so like, just like the other girl, you know, he's probably this fool and we just got to top him off. And so I leaned over and I put my hand on his arm and his leg. And I don't usually close my eyes, but I did at that time. And as I was leaning over, I commanded his body to be healed, commanded these things to go. And then I, I felt movement, so I opened my eyes. And as I stood up, it was a good thing I stood up because he jumped out of the wheelchair and then took off running around the whole church. Amen. And the video there is slowed down a little bit, but if you watched him run, it was the first time he had run in years, I mean years, decades. And it, the, more, the longer you watched him run, the more he returned to normal. When he first started running, it was strange. It actually looked almost like, a, almost like an animal because he wasn't used to running. It, it looked similar to like an ostrich, how they had that kind of, you know, how they do their legs, that kind of thing. And he was, he was, it was very awkward. And then the more he ran, the straighter it got and the straighter he got and he's taken off and he, I mean, everybody was shocked. And he ran around the church and then ran out the front door. <laughs> and, and we're just kind of watching like, well, there he goes. Yeah. And the caretaker stand there watching. She goes, I guess I better go get him. And so she took off in the van and chased him down. And, and then that night when we were packing up, loading up, because that was a Saturday night. And we're all standing outside the church, but still in the parking lot and standing outside our vehicles talking. And the pastor texts and he said, he ran out of the building. That was it. One sentence. He ran out of the building. And we're like, yeah, that, it, you know, it impacted that pastor. It impacted us. You know, you can't see something like that and just go, oh, yeah. And so the next morning, we went and did some video because this was in San Diego and some historical stuff. And while we're videotaping, uh, I don't know if the pastor had my number or not because he didn't text me directly, but he texted uh, one of my 
my road team, and he texted one sentence. He ran out of the building. <laughs> then the next week, we're in Arizona. I'm preaching one night, and my team is there. And while I'm preaching, I was actually telling the story, and the pastor texted us, the same guy again, and said, he ran out of the building. <laughs> See, it's amazing because, like pastor said, this, this isn't religion. It is a kingdom. And Jesus is the king of the kingdom. And so, he... What he's ever done, he's still doing. Yes. And so all we do is, I tell people I'm, you know, one of the most blessed people I know because all I do is go around the world and let him out and just tell him, have fun. Just have fun, right? And show off. And he does. Why? Because he loves people and he doesn't want to see people oppressed like we were learning today. Now, tonight... This is a little different because usually there's a lot of focus on physical healing. And there will be physical healing, of course. But it's also, too, you know, many of you already know that on these Freedom Nights that it's also a lot about emotional healing, that kind of thing. But it's also about deliverance, being freed from, let's just be blunt, things you, you, you can be freed from demonic oppression possession, whatever you want to call it, influence. You can get free of habits and addictions that maybe you're fed up with and you're, just, you're tired of it and you just want to be free but can't be free. You've tried to be free maybe just from the natural ways of doing things and it just doesn't stick. But when Jesus makes you free, you're free indeed. Amen. Amen. Your life can absolutely change in a moment. Amen. And if you, if you desire that, he is willing to meet you. And he's going to set you free. And it, the, the, he doesn't want you to be bound up. It was never his plan for you to be bound in any way, physically, emotionally, in any area. But let me tell you, I don't care who you are, I don't care where you are, I don't care what you do for quote unquote a living. Bottom line is this, <clears throat> the devil's a bad devil. Yes. He hates you and you don't have to do anything to make him hate you. He hates you as a human. He hates you as a Christian. He hates you in any way, and he'll do anything he can, and he has no mercy. He has no hesitation to do anything that he can get away with. And pretty much, probably ever, pretty much everybody in this room has had all kinds of things happen to him. Been abused physically, emotionally. Maybe you've been just put down 
by people that were close to you. Maybe you've been hurt by people that you trusted. But I can tell you this. Everything you've gone through, Jesus went through. As we said today, one weekend he's coming into town and everybody's throwing down palm leaves and oh, Hosanna, the son of David. And the next week, some of the same crowd is yelling, crucify him. And we have to realize that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But there are spiritual entities that cause people to do things. Sometimes they do it on purpose. Sometimes they work with the devil willingly. Other times they wake up later and go, what was I thinking? But regardless, here's what we know. Because of Jesus, because of what he went through, he shed his blood at least three times that I'll mention. The first was in the garden when he sweat drops of blood because of the anguish and the pressure and the mental, uh, emotional pressure that was going on. And he started sweating. Think about that. So intense, he sweat drops of blood. That was the first time he, he shed blood. The next time was at the whipping post when he was whipped and beaten. And then the final time was at the cross. Now, we know that the cross was for our sins and we can be forgiven. And not just forgiven, but cleansed. We can be made whole, made different. We can be different people. We know that by his stripes, you were healed. He didn't have to heal you. You were healed. It's already legal for you to be free. What that means is, I'll just go ahead and throw this in. That means that you don't have to wait for my hands or anybody else's. That means what he did is already on the books as the law in the kingdom of God. So at any point, whatever you couldn't do, you can start doing. At any point, you can just, if you couldn't breathe, you can take a deep breath. If maybe you couldn't see out of one eye or both eyes, you can just cover the other and you can see. Whatever it is you couldn't do. Why? Because what am I doing right now? I'm proclaiming deliverance to the captives. Why? Because that is captivity. Whatever is going on in your body in that sense, it is a captivity. And very honestly, when one person in a family is, I don't want to say severely necessarily, but when there is something going on that limits that person, the entire family is in bondage. Because you have to plan differently. You have to think differently. I know my first daughter was born with a hemangioma tumor and had a tracheotomy in her throat. And we had to have suction and oxygen. And we had to plan. You know, it wasn't just, well, we're going to run down to the Walmart. We had to plan. We had to make sure we had the machine that would go because she could start to suffocate. And we had to suction out the trach or she could actually die because she couldn't breathe through her, through her mouth or through her nose. And so we had all that going on. And so everything was a big deal. We had to load this stuff up, load her up, make the... So we were, we were all in bondage. She was in bondage most, but we were all there. <clears throat> but Jesus bore that by his stripes. Now, but now we go backwards into the garden 
where Jesus first shed blood. Well, we know about our sins being forgiven. Most of us even know that by his stripes we were healed. But we forget sometimes that that, that not the crown of thorns, that came later, but he sweat drops of blood in the garden. Why? Because the chastisement of our peace was upon him. He had that mental anguish so we don't have to. So we can have his peace. So we don't have to fear anymore. Why? Because when you understand his love, it casts out fear. When you realize how much he loves you, what all he would go through for you, what all he went through for you, what all he has provided for you, when you understand he does all that because he not only has love, he is love. And when you understand that, you realize, well, of course he'd heal me. Of course he would give me his peace. Of course I don't have to fear. And it casts out fear. And you don't have to live in fear anymore of anything. You can live free. And when you're free from fear and from the bondage of fear, the Bible says, then you can live in a way that is totally different than ever before. Because let me tell you, if you haven't experienced it, especially recently, it's good to be free. There is no other feeling like it. When you know that you're clean, when you know your mind is at peace, and whenever you know that he bore all of that so you don't have to, and you know that you are so clean that you can stand before God without any condemnation or inferiority or any of that because he is accepting and loving of you, when you can stand when, you're, when you know that you are so clean that you can stand before man, when you can stand before Satan and know he's got nothing in you. He's got no hooks. People say, well, that, that's not me. He's got hooks in me. I've got an addiction. I've got a fear. I've got a phobia. I can't do this. I can't. And it, listen, whatever he starts with, you know, it's the old saying, you give a mouse a cookie, he's going to want a glass of milk. <laughs> and that's what the enemy does. That's what, the, what Satan does. You give him an inch, he'll take the inch, and then he'll take another inch too. And he'll keep going more. And whatever he gets his hooks in, he gets them deeper and deeper and deeper. The more you obey him, the deeper they get. And pretty soon, right now, you just can't do this thing. But pretty soon, guess what? You'll be in a place where you can't do anything. He'll put you in, a, in, in your, your realm of life will get smaller and smaller and smaller. And he's trying to separate you. He will try to give you ideas, crazy ideas, things you would never think of normally. But he'll give you ideas and make you think they're somehow reasonable. This will never end. It'll never stop. Why not just end it? Go ahead. Just, you know, uh, you believe in God. You know, you'll go to heaven. Just kill yourself. See, he always brings that kind of stuff. And so there are people probably here tonight, I'm assuming, because on the way, actually, when we were up in Gettysburg, and uh, the next stop on the way back home was here. And so I just started talking to God about these meetings and all of a sudden it's bam, bam, bam. Make sure you hit this. Make sure you hit this. Make sure you hit this. 
Now, that isn't the only thing. Because the funny thing was, he didn't mention anything about physical healing. And I kind of questioned him about it. Why didn't you mention that? He said, you're going to do that anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So, I think he knows me pretty well. (laughs) But I'm here to tell you tonight, I don't care where... I don't care what, I don't care where, I don't care what the devil has done. I don't care where he's had you bound. I don't care how many times you tried to be free in the past. Tonight's a new night. Amen. Amen. I was in Indonesia a few years ago. And they, we were in Jakarta at one point, a couple other places. But they had a small building there, a little Christian church, and would seat probably, was meant to seat probably 100 people, maybe. And they even had a little balcony. And that day, they said, tonight we're going to have the healing service. So I said, okay, so that's, you know, typical. We'll do it. And they said, but before that, can we take you, somebody wants to take you to their house so you can pray for their son. And I said, yeah, let's, let's go. We got plenty of time. We can go. So we get in this car. We're in Indonesia. I don't know these people. Nobody really vouched for them. They just, somebody told me they, this family wanted to take me to their house. So I get in the car with them. And we go down this road and turn here and turn there and turn here and back this way. And I mean, it was a maze. I had no idea really where I was at. I couldn't have found my way back if I tried. And I started thinking, because it started looking kind of sketchy. And I'm like, this would have been a real good way to get me off somewhere and try to kill me or something. Uh, We were in an Islamic country. And so, you know, I'm I'm starting to look around. Okay, you know. Now, I wouldn't worry about dying or anything because I know that's not how I'm going to go. But we were going around and finally we come to this house and it was a little, we had to park down the alley basically and the alley was probably maybe six foot wide. It was very narrow, people coming and going and we had to walk through there and they take me to a house and they knock on the door and then they take me in the house and the, the family doesn't speak English and so they said some things to the people that took us there and so we, they lead us back through this back into this back room and there's this man lying there grown man I mean he was uh, actually he was 22 I think it's 22 and so but he was lying on this little bed and he fit it because his body was completely curled up and he was lying there and it was so hot no air conditioning and the mother was sitting over there next to him, just sitting there, just rocking and, and kind of touching him every now and then and rubbing his arm and just trying to keep him calm because he was very agitated and actually seemed to be more agitated once we got there. And so we, I walk into the room and, and the father is there and the father's, they're Islamists. They're, they're not Christian. And so, but somebody had told some of the testimonies and they had said, could, could he come? And they said, yeah. And so we went there and 
When I got in there, I sat down next to the man and he got more agitated. He started, but he couldn't move, but he could, you know, start to move, but not normally. So I sat there just for a minute or two. And I just put my hands over on him, talking to the mother, even though she couldn't understand me. But she was crying because he had gotten worse and worse and worse. And so I just sat there, put my hand over on his arm and just started commanding in the name of Jesus, be healed in the name of Jesus. Right now, you be free. I set you free in Jesus name and just just said that didn't and the, most of this was demonic it was pretty obvious especially the way he was manifesting I didn't start calling out demons I could have but I didn't start doing it that way why because I didn't know how much they could understand and I wasn't trying to scare them or that kind of thing and so I just began commanding and the person said hey we need to we need to get back we, we've got the, the meeting tonight. I said, okay. So I had the time that I had, and I got up, and I told the person, I said, tell him that it's okay now. He's going to be okay. And so we had to leave. <clears throat> so we go back to the church, and the church, the church has a, a fence around it with uh, barbed wire because it had to because they didn't tell me this at first, okay? <laughs> but later, after the service, and, and they told me, I said, listen, if anything, or actually, before I went in, I was standing there at the door, and people were coming in. And I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Jesus of Nazareth, but it was like a scene out of that. Because these people were coming in, and they were filling up the church, and most of them were coming, most of them were Christians. And so they were filling up all the pews, and there was a walkway down the middle, and then there was an area probably about this size uh, in between. And so they were, the Christians filled up the place. So there was nowhere left to sit. And I stood by the door and I'm looking out the door because that's the only place there were any breeze or anything. And I'm watching these people and they're carrying grown people in their arms that are all bent together. And they're carrying these people in. And some are coming with these sticks. So we wouldn't even call them crutches. Just sticks. I mean, all kinds of ways. All kinds of how they got in there. Some people were on their knees. Because they couldn't walk on their feet. So they were on their knees moving forward. It was unreal. And so the church gets packed out. And then these other people started showing up. And you could tell by the way they were dressed. They were Muslim. And so they're all coming in and there was no place for them because the Christians had all the seats. So they made the Muslims sit right down front. And they had some, most of the Muslims that came had, it was either one or two parents and a child or a loved one or somebody that was crippled. And so they would lay them, they were on pallets and they were doing stuff. And I remember because when I finally got up on the platform and I came over I said I stood there and looked down at him and I said some of you have been this way a long time some of you have waited for this night for a long time and I said but I can tell you Jesus has waited for this night even longer Amen. Yes. and so 
they're all listening and they had interpreters and that kind of stuff talking to them. And so when we finished, I just spoke a few minutes and then just went over and kind of jumped off the platform, kind of down the middle of them, started laying hands on them, told the people there, tell them to do what they couldn't do before. And they started telling them. People started getting up. I started walking through. The only way I could get through was walking through the middle. They even had the pews and then chairs. I mean, literally, I had to turn sideways to get through. There was no, there was no room. And there was no way I could get to the middle, to the people in the middle of the pews. There was no way to line them up or do any of that kind of stuff. And so I'm just going through and I said, when I come to your row, everybody just grab hands. So everybody grabbed each other's hands. And as I went through, I would grab the hands on the end and begin to command. And I said, all right, now do what you couldn't do. And people in the middle all of a sudden would jump up and start moving. And people even on the far ends, all of a sudden, they'd get healed. And people were getting healed by holding the people's hands in the center. I wasn't touching them. But the power of God is like electricity. It can be transferred from one person to another. And so that's what I was doing. And it was going through. And then this one lady passed her baby all the way across. I mean, they're handing the baby across. And I'm seeing this little baby come toward me. So I stay there for a minute, and when they get down there, they hand the baby. So I take the baby. The baby's burning up with fever. And so I'm holding the baby, and I'm going through. And I didn't even, I wasn't thinking about it. I didn't pray for the baby. I never prayed for the baby. I'm just holding it and going through, and I'm touching these people and grabbing their hands and touching these people. And I'm not thinking, I'm just walking on through, but I'm walking away with this woman's baby. (laughs) You know? And, and at one point, I remember, oh, yeah, I got a baby here. Okay. And I turned and looked, and the lady's kind of, she was like this. She, she stood up, and she's like, you know, like, where are you going with my baby? And so I kept praying for people, kept ministering to them, and just holding the baby. And so then I started to go back through there, and I took the baby and handed it. Never prayed, never said anything, never commanded, nothing. Just held the baby and then passed it back and they passed it back and whenever the baby got to the mother the mother screamed and started crying and I thought what, what happened and so they we could hear talking but I didn't understand it and so then my interpreter there said uh, whenever the mother got the baby back all the fever's gone Amen. I never prayed Why? but we have to remember greater is he that is in you yes. than he that's in the world See, there's a reality to this that most Christians never get a hold of. We are given the opportunity to be a totally different species of being. One that is recreated exactly in the likeness and image of Jesus Christ. Now, how different was he? And so we have that opportunity. Why? First off, we're made different. We have been made different. We've been born again. We're new creation. But too often, we never put off that old man and we never quit acting like the old man. And we keep doing that. And as long as you act like that, you'll never settle into the new man and be who you are. And you'll keep, your mind will keep thinking, well, this is the way, that's not normal, this is normal. No, no, no. If you're normal, you're not normal as a Christian. Christians are never meant to be normal. There's nothing in the Bible that says, be normal. It says, be you perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Right? But it never says be normal. But we can't do that if we don't get our heads right and realize that the Bible is true. 
And it's hard to be Christian, be this new man, when every day you live with a body that's not acting the way it's supposed to. Because there's a constant reminder. Sometimes you're not, you know, because of an addiction, a habit, or something along those lines that constantly every day pulls you back and reminds you, no, 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 don't stray too far. Remember, I own you. So we can't, we don't get to be this new person, even though we are, but our soul and our body can be hindered. And we keep being the same way we were before. And we think, oh, it'll never change. This will never change. Might as well give up. Might as well quit. Might, you know, just, you know, nobody likes you anyway. Just go ahead and kill yourself. You're, you don't fit in. But guess what? Jesus didn't fit in. All the people that everybody thought was right looked down on him. They said he had a devil. But we have to realize that Jesus wants you free. And I don't just mean even just a physical healing or just this or just that. No, free. Let me tell you, when you're free, you want to set other people free because you know how, how good it feels. And so you just want to give it away. And you don't have to put on some hype and show and do all that kind of stuff. You can just walk through life. The other night in Gettysburg, before the healing service, I don't know how many chairs we had in there. It's probably, uh, probably, I don't know, 400 or so. I don't know. I don't know. It was was a bunch. Uh, Actually, it's more than that. I do know it was more than that. And so we were right down to the wire Everybody's fixing to come in the door. They were lined up outside. And so we were in there, and I said, don't let them in yet. And they were supposed to let them in. And so guy had to go, no, wait, hang on, just hang on. And the people thought, wait, you said 630. And but it was different because I went in and started at the very back and just went to every chair, started laying hands on it, every chair. Why? Because whatever I touch, as a human, I leave DNA. <clears throat> As, as a Christian, I leave DNA. God's divine nature attributes. And so when I leave, when I walk away, the Spirit of God is left there. That's how Paul ministered to people with what we call prayer clause. He wore them. He didn't pray over them. There's no word that he prayed. We, we shouldn't really call them prayer clause. But he gave out the claws, and if a person was sick, they got healed. And if they had a devil, they got free. Think about that. With cloth. Just a piece of cloth taken from his body. That's how that baby got healed. Why? Because I was holding it. It's not the cloth. I might have told you the story last year when I was here, but when my wife used to run the office and she would answer the calls and things, she had a lady <clears throat> uh, that wanted a prayer cloth. And we didn't know what for, but I was on a trip, and my, my wife said, where's the prayer cloth? She called me, where's the prayer cloth? I don't know, that's where they should be. No, there's none there. I said, then I don't know. Maybe we don't have any. So my wife went to my closet, took a perfectly good shirt. <laughs> she didn't cut it in little pieces. She cut the sleeve off. 
the whole sleeve. Didn't cut it up. Took the whole sleeve, put it in an envelope, and mailed it. Didn't even know what it was for. Just knew somebody had requested a prayer cloth. When the lady got it, she was down in uh, Florida. When she got it, her, she took it out. I don't know what she thought when she pulled out a whole sleeve. <laughs> but she, here's the thing. My, my wife didn't know this. She didn't know anything about it. But then the lady wanted the cloth for her dad, whose arm was withered. And so when the lady got the, the sleeve, the prayer sleeve, <laughs> she, <laughs> she put it on his arm and pinned it to his T-shirt and told the, the workers there, leave it on him, don't take it off. And they look at her like, are you crazy? What, what are you doing? And, but she paid the bills, so they didn't take it off. So she went home. The next morning, she went over to visit her dad. When she walked in the door, he was in the, what they call the great room. It's a big open room. And when he saw her, started waving at her. Now, now this, this, I mean, all the nurses and all that, they just freaked out. They're like, we know this man. What happened? And so they they asked the lady, said, what was in that? Sleeve. And she said, nothing but the arm of an anointed man of God. <laughs> Amen. But now, here's, here's the good part. If you're born again, there's no difference between us. What I've got, you've got. Yeah? The only thing, the only difference would be I've had some experiences. Why did I have experiences? Because I'm special? No. My wife would tell you, he ain't special. <laughs> or she might say, yes, he's special. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure. She's, she's said it both ways before, so I'm not sure. But what the reason I've had the experiences is because I got fed up being normal. Right. Yeah. I just got fed up. I didn't have a light from heaven. I didn't have any special thing happen to me in that sense. I got backed into a corner by some very straightforward preaching. And I decided I cannot continue the way I'm doing. I don't want to just preach about a God that heals. I said, I want to live that life. And that was 40 years ago. And so now... I've been living that life. And I can tell you, I've just, you know, can I just be honest and transparent with you? Can I just open up here? Because I've seen some things. I can tell you, I ain't seen nothing yet. Amen? I know that for a fact. But, and I can, I can tell you now that we have entered into a new phase of ministry that God is doing some things differently now and he's having me do things differently now. But I can tell you this. I had to make the decision 
to step into what he has offered. And I made that decision. And very likely, it's going to cost me a lot, right? I'm just talking about in the realm of ministry and that kind of stuff. Why? Because I don't want to be a professional minister. I just want to represent Jesus accurately. Amen. Amen. And so things are changing. Now, I don't want you to suffer any longer than you already have, either because of your situation or having to put up and listen to me. Okay? <laughs> so. Man. <laughs> Conversations with my wife come to mind. <laughs> But because she comes into the room sometimes and I'll have a DVD on of me. <laughs> She'll walk in and look and go, are you listening to yourself? And I said, yeah. I said, if it's good enough for others, it's good enough for me. I need to hear it. Right? <laughs> I said, sometimes I don't get to hear it because I'm busy saying it. And some things come out that I hadn't thought of, and he's speaking through me. And not, I want to go back and hear what he said. Amen. And so she just shakes her head and walks out. <laughs> so, she told me one day, she said, you know, <laughs> you know that thing about being ch- childlike? Jesus, she, you got that down. <laughs> you, you got that. <laughs> so anyway, all I can tell you is that I'm having the time of my life because I get to tell about how good Jesus is. And then we get to demonstrate it. And then other people get to see it. And his fame spreads. And we realize just how good he is. And any one of you, any, anybody, anybody can do this. I, you know, I'm, I'm not the sharpest tack in the box. You know what I'm saying? And if he can use me, he can use you. And he wants to use you because he knows that you'll see people I'll never see. But to do that and to represent it accurately, we need to get you well. We need to get you free. We need to get you free of all the encumbrances that the enemy tries to bring in. So everything that's going to happen here tonight is just going to be because he loves you. He paid for it. And now we get to deliver it. So basically, I'm just, you know, the UPS guy. I'm the Amazon driver, whatever whatever you you can relate to. And I'm just here and just say, you know what? Uh, I got a package for you that was sent 2,000 years ago. And tonight I get to give it to you. Amen? Amen. Amen. So now... I'm purposely, like I said, purposely not trying to hype you up or get you jumping and shouting and all that kind of stuff. I want you to realize, because some people's personality isn't like that. Mine's not like that. And so if I did that, you might think you have to be like that for you to do the things that Jesus wants to do. But if he can use me and I can be calm and quiet and, 
you know, be just almost as happy just sitting and reading and that kind of stuff. And then if, that, if you're like that, then you'd know, well, guess what? He could use you too. So why? Because he's the one that does it. We just deliver. So there's no need for me to get worked up because anybody can deliver. So you can't get in pride over something anybody can do. Amen. Amen. So what you see take place here tonight, and you're going to see even as we do things, I'm not going to do anything strange, outlandish, hype. It's not going to be that way. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to get everybody organized, and the teams here are going to do that. And then whenever I start to minister, and we're going to have other of the teams here ministering also, and I'm sure they'll lay hands on everybody that wants them to. I'm going to lay hands on everybody that's here, everybody that wants to be free. We're going to do all that. And all I'm going to, now there's certain ways, there's different ways we have ministered different times. And I, I don't always know how it's going to be until the time to start. And today we had kind of a, you know, a, a preview, you might say. I mean, just, we, we already kind of knew how this was going to go. And so we're just going to follow that. We're just going to walk in that. And what I mean by that is this. This is not going to be some drawn out thing. What I'm going to do is I am going to, uh, before we start ministering to everybody, <clears throat> I'm going to put my stuff back there, this stuff here. Then I'm going to, at one point, I'm going to lay hands on all these claws. So if you have claws, you can put them over here. If you have anything, not just claws, but pretty much anything, if you didn't bring an extra cloth you want to put there, you can put anything over there and we'll lay hands on it. And you can take it back and put it on the person that needs it. Or if you need it, you can wear it and you can be free and they can be free and that's the way it'll work. And I don't have to know what it is, what the problem, what the cloth is for. If you're sick, you'll get healed. If you have a devil, you'll be free. Because yeah. right? God knows. And so it's, I don't have to know that stuff. Now, we're also going to ask you that if you have loved ones, friends, somebody that's not here, couldn't get here, but you, you know they want to be prayed for, then we're going to have you take out your phones. You can call them, and we're going to give a command. We're going to pray. We're going to speak. And when we do this, we've done this all over the world, and every time we do it, many, many people get healed no matter where they are, because God is not bound by distance. And so you can get them on the phone. Now, if you can't get them on the phone, then you can just, and if you know you can't, just hit, hit, you know, record it. Just put your phone up, hit record, and we'll do it. And then you can send it to them and they can get it. And guess what? It works. Why? Because God is not only not bound by distance, he's also not bound by time. See, this word here, 2,000 years old, it still works. So, because the Word of God is alive. Now, once we do that, then you're going to put your phones away. Then we're going to line you up and get you all organized. And when we do that, now you don't have to stand there the whole time this way, but whenever I start to get near you, all I'm going to ask you to do is just stand there, stand quietly, don't pray. I'm going to be the one praying. So, you don't need to pray. Just stand there quietly. And all I'm going to ask you to do is put your hands together in front of you. That's it. And when I come by, I'm going to touch your hands. That's laying on of hands. So that's what we're going to do. And when I do that, now here's the, the thing. When I touch your hands, whether I touch them with both or one or however it works, 
at that moment, whatever it is you couldn't do, you start doing. Okay? Now, that's, this is one of the methods Jesus used to heal people. And what did he do? He would do things to them, lay hands or whatever, and sometimes he'd say, stretch forth your hand. Well, see, they, they couldn't. But he told them to do something they couldn't do. So that's what I'm telling you. Whatever your body has been bound or whatever has had you bound or whatever it is, maybe there's something you need to get rid of, then, that, then you can do that. But now, remember, here's the, the things, okay? Just stand there quietly, put your hands together, almost like in a you know, praying position. Just put your hands together, and that's just so that I can touch you, you know, properly. And then we're going to go. I may say something, I may not. I may give a command. I, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do because I'm not in front of you yet. I may not do any of that. I may just touch your hand and, you know, keep going. Why? Because it says lay hands on the sick. It does not say pray for them. Mark 16 says believers lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So it says believers. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to believe and I'm going to lay hands. And when I do you're going to receive. So all you have to do is put yourself in a mode of going, I receive. When he, when he touches me, I'm going to receive my freedom, my healing. Maybe it's your freedom and your healing. God can do more than one thing at a time. Okay? He can walk and chew gum at the same time. Okay? So he can touch you. Now, all I'm doing is I'm just releasing life. Why? Because that's what I've got. I have the spirit of life. If you have Jesus, you have life. That's what I have. That's what I'm giving you. I'm giving it to you in the name of Jesus. He told me to give it to you. He said right there in Mark 16 to do that. So I'm being obedient. You're here to receive, so receive. Now, here's the thing. I'm just, I've done this a few times. When I get to you, don't pull out your phone. Don't try to call somebody, okay? I'm telling you now. If you do that, I will walk past you. Do you understand? All you got to do is do like we're saying. This is the way it's going to work. So if you need to get it on the phone or record, do it when we do it with the phones. Other than that, put them away. Amen? Because when I start, I'm going to be focused on releasing the spirit and life of God. I don't want to be stopped in the middle and have to think and have to engage why? Because if I'm engaged with you, I'm not necessarily engaged with him. So just, let's just do this, all right? We've done this before exactly the same way, and Jesus always works through it. And so tonight, that's what we're going to do. Amen? Amen? So is everybody kind of clear? Okay? Okay, then say this with me. Father, Father you, are God. you are God. And right now, I receive your word. And your word says, when a believer lays hands on me, I'm going to recover. So tonight, when my brother lays hands on me, I'm going to be healed. I don't mean maybe. This is the way it's going to be. You've given it. I'm receiving it. This is a done deal. So, Father, so Father I, thank you now. I thank you now. 
in advance for what's going to take place tonight. I'm going to be free. I'm going to be healed. And I'm going to receive it from Jesus. So right now, Father, I thank you for all your goodness. And by his stripes, I'm healed. Right now, in Jesus' name. I may have come in here sick. May have come in bound. But I'm leaving healed. And I'm leaving free. Because of what you did, Jesus. So we thank you. Right now. Amen. Is that true? Then let's give him some praise. Now, I am going to turn it over to Pastor Jack. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.